perfectionist, and so that's hard with kids. There's definitely days when I have my doubts about my abilities. I struggle with my temper. I struggle with like how I react with situations. I wish I knew how to, I guess, just calm myself before speaking to them. I wish I was better at taking time to sit down and just listen more to my child. I wish I was more confident in being a mom. I'm not the most patient person in the world. Patience. Patience is far and away probably the biggest struggle. I just want them to know just how much I love them. Bob is totally awesome. He's fun to snuggle with. Pretty funny. He does cook a lot of food for me. She's just unique. That's why I love her so much. We go on dates together. Like, we go shopping. She loves me a lot. I have a lot of favorite things about my mom. We like to watch movies together and color and stuff. We go to church together. We volunteer together. She is like my heart, I guess you could say, because she's that close to me. My favorite thing is to jump on a trampoline with my mom. That's my most favorite thing to go up high. We like get ice cream or something and like go to the nail salon and have fun. <laughs> my mom is my hero. She's pretty and beautiful. She is my hero. She just will care about me and just always love me forever. She's the best. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> I always seem to focus mostly on the negative, and I guess I can walk out here and say that I'm doing something great and that my child is viewing me in totally different lenses as I view myself. So that's that's inspiring. This is my calling. This is my job. This is what I love to do and I will do it better and with love each and every day because those kids count on me and they love me for what I'm doing. Isn't that good? So happy Mother's Day to you guys. We're glad that you're here. And before we get into the message, um, I just want to acknowledge a couple of things. We don't usually start with tears at the beginning of the message. So it's usually at the end, but you know, it's one of those things. So I apologize for that. But, uh, but I do want to acknowledge a couple of things here on Mother's Day. Um, the first one is uh, just in, in, in honor of Mother's Day and saying Happy Mother's Day a lot. We want to acknowledge that, that this is a day that is awesome and great, but also can be difficult for some, right? We have to acknowledge that there's both sides of Mother's Day because uh, some of you I know in this room uh, have recently lost your mother. And so Mother's Day is great because you are honored as a mother, but you also miss your mother. 
right? And some of you maybe had mothers that were absent or anything like that. So there are some reasons that maybe this is a great day. This is an awesome day where we can have brunch, as Ryan said, right? But also where it can also be a difficult day. So we acknowledge that. We know that. And so we just, but one thing we definitely don't want to do, and I think you guys would agree with this, we definitely don't want to stop or pause or lose the opportunity to honor mothers today, right? This is one of those days where we can honestly do that, and I think that this is a huge day where we should worship God, but we should definitely honor uh, mothers. And the second thing that I want to acknowledge this morning, just kind of mention is, you know, moms, uh, what I've noticed uh, about just kind of across the board is what that video kind of shows is that, moms, you're sometimes hard on yourselves, (laughs) You're sometimes so hard on yourselves. There's a lot of mom guilt out there. There's a lot of, I don't measure up. I've, I'm not as effective as a mother as I want to be. All those kind of things. And I just, I just want to stop. And I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You are awesome. And we honor you today. We thank you today for your love, for your sacrifice. And we don't fully, like as a guy, I don't fully get it because I'm just not a mom, right? God has not given me that. Um, But we know that the love and sacrifice that you pour out is huge. And so we want to honor and thank you for that today. And I want you to know that no matter how you feel as a mother today, I want you to know that God loves you, we love you, that God is with you and he has equipped you to give you everything you need to be exactly who you need to be as a mother and as anything else. And so happy Mother's Day to you. And we're so glad that you decided to join us and and worship with us today. Um, We are going to be in a topic today. Of course, we're finishing up. uh, We're not finishing up. I guess we have two more weeks left. But we're in the midst of this home run life. And, uh, and it kind of is very relevant today because of what we were just talking about, how sometimes we feel like we're not as effective, not as successful as what we really long to be, as what we want to be, whether it's mothers, fathers, workers, uh, you know, sons, daughters, whatever the case is, we sometimes feel like we don't measure up. And so today we're going to talk about the third base of the home run life, success. How does God define success for us? Whether we're a mother, father, single, brother, sister, young or old, kid, teenager, does not matter. How does God define success for you and I, for all people on this planet? And so we're going to jump into that. We're going to talk about that today. But before we do, let me review real quick where we've been, because some of you uh, have been here over the last several weeks, and some of you have, uh, have not been here for the rest of the home run life. So, and, and some of you just missed last week. So let me review real quick. Uh, the basic gist is the home run life is the life that everybody wants. Everybody wants a home run life, right? Everybody on this planet desires to have a home run life, and God desires that you have a home run life. That you, me, everybody has a home run life. He does not want anybody to have a life that is less than a home run life, okay? Now, home run life has four parts to it. Home base is, or home, uh, home plate is, connect with God. This is where we get all the purpose, all the power, all the love that we need for the rest of life. Okay, so we have to begin and end with God. It has to begin and end. Everything has to center on home plate connecting with God. First base is character. This is where we win within. This is where we learn integrity. This is where we learn to be who we really are regardless of the situation, who we know we are called to be by God. In fact, when we connect with God, God is the one that gives us the power to win within. 
to win in our character. Then the second base is community. This is where we learn to win with others. This is where we build genuine, authentic, real relationships. This is where we win with others. And then third base, as we said, is competency. This is where we learn and win results. This is where we see the fruit. If we start with God, learn and win within, win in our character, win in community, then we will find unbelievable fruit, unbelievable results in all of life. Not just in our career, not just making a, a paycheck, but we will find success in every area of life. And that's third base. And then it comes back to ends with God with having significance, which means our life has impact long after we are gone. And so everything, everybody desires to have a home run life. Now, one of the most important aspects, as we've talked about several times in this series, is what? The red arrows is what the world says to do. The red arrows is what the world says to do. The world says you should run to third base first. Get yours. Make sure you climb the corporate ladder. Make sure you get everything you can now because otherwise somebody else will. Okay? They say chase third base first and then everything else will work out. Make as much money as you can and everything else falls into place. The problem is that's a lie. That's wrong. Okay? God says that a home run life is to run the bases in the correct order. What if, we all know, what if, you, what if the Brewers had a hit and the guy runs to third base? What happens? He's done, right? He gets to sit down. He's thrown out of the game. He's, he's not in, okay? Because you have to go on the bases. You have to run them in order. And so if we have to run them in order, if that's the most important thing, then what does it mean for God to have success? How do we get to that third successful base running the bases in order. Well, that's what we're going to tackle today because success matters, excellence matters, winning matters to God. God wants you to have a life where you go, man, this life is awesome. I have success. I'm finding unbelievable fruit in my life, in all areas of my life. God desires that. Did you know he prays that for you? He's praying for you. He wants you to have that kind of life. But how do we find that? All right. So the question I want to answer today is this. How do we win results? How do we win success without sacrificing the home run life? How do we win results? How do we win success in life, but without sacrificing the home run life? Because what the world teaches is that you get success, but the problem is if we run the bases in the wrong order, we have to cheat everything else, don't we? We have to cheat our relationships. We have to cheat our character. We have to cheat God. And so how do we find success without cheating all that stuff? Well, one principle... I want us to uh, make sure we get this morning. You can write this down if you want, but either way, just kind of get, understand that this is the principle that we're going to work off of today. And the principle is this. My purpose in life, my purpose is in my creator, not in my career. My purpose is in my creator, not my career. So I live and work for my creator first. This is a huge difference. Let me ask you this. When somebody, when you meet somebody for the first time, what is one, it may not be the first question, but what is one of the first questions that you probably ask somebody else or that they ask you? What is one of the first ones? They say, hey, who are you? What do you do? Right? Isn't that one of the first things? I tend to do that too. I get wrapped up in that. I shouldn't, but I do. That's one of the first things I tend to ask. I, say, I tend to say, hey, well, what is it that you do? Who are you? Right? And usually our response to who are you or whatever that question is, usually our response, we respond with, well, I'm a teacher or I'm an investment guy or I work in insurance or whatever. And you know what that tells me about all of us? And I do the same thing. 
Okay? And I know when I they tell them what I do, man, it freaks them out. They go running. They're like, uh-oh, what did I say before this? Those few sentences are like, did I swear? Ah, oh, he's a pastor. Really? He's supposed to have a collar or something. So I know these things. Wear a sign. Right? But I dress like this, right? And they're like, you're a pastor? Like, that's, they're just messed up with it, you know? But, but what we do is when we offer ourselves, when we say, this is who I am, this is what I do, we identify ourselves with our job. We identify ourselves with our career. That becomes our identity. Do you know how wrong that is? God did not make you for your career. Did you know that? To make a paycheck. He didn't. He never would have. He never will. He never will again. It won't happen. God did not create you for a job. He created you for a home run life. And so our identity has to be changed. And so here's a lie that the world teaches us. The world teaches us that you cannot have success and have the home run life. The world teaches that. You either have success or you have the home run life. But you can't have both. That's what the world teaches. And that, but the problem is that's a lie. God tells us in his word over and over again in here, he says, you can have both. I will give you success, God says. It may not be exactly what you were thinking, but it will be success in all areas of your life if you trust and you follow me. And so God says it is not only possible, it is likely and it is sure if you follow God. It is a certainty. So, back to that question. How do we win success without sacrificing the home run life? Don't we want to know that? Don't you want to know that? Don't you want the absolute best life possible, but without sacrificing your relationships, your character, and your time with God, loyalty to God? What do we need to do? We need to change the way we think how we view life. Okay? This is our basic verse for this whole series, Romans 12, 2. Let me read it for you. Don't copy the behavior and customs or the pattern backwards base running of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? You think, how we see this world, how we see our lives. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's pretty good standard, by the way. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Like you can't get better. So, if we need to change the way we think, my question is, what do we need to change? How do we need to change? What, what is it that we need to change? What is the thinking that we need to change? If we need to change the way we think, how do we need to view life differently? Well, let me tell you what the lie is that we believe, and then I'll tell you what we need to change. Okay? There's a lie out there that this world and our culture tells us. It teaches this, it preaches this to us every single day, everything we watch, everything we listen to, it teaches this. Boom, 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 and it hammers on us like this. Okay, No matter who we are, it hammers this on us. And, and, the, and the lie is basically this. Okay, If you take the home run life, the life that God wants for you, okay, this is what the world says. If you take the home run life, what the world says is we need to divide that home run life right down the middle. Okay, so it would look like this. Okay, to the world, this is what a home run life looks like. Okay, if we were to put this diagram in front of the world, this is how they would explain it. They would explain the home run life like this, and they would put a line right down the middle. Now, nobody's ever done this, right, because a lot of people wouldn't explain it exactly this way, but if they were, this is how it would look. 
Okay? There are two sides. You have, you have this other, the one side on the right, which is, you know, our relationships and our family, our close friends, um, all that kind of stuff. We have our character. That's who we really are when we're at the house, when we're home. You know, and the people that really know us. This is who we really, really are. Okay? And then we have God is on that side, right? We have God on that side. And so that side is, is that side. And then on the other side, we have, you know, our other relationships. We have relationships at work. We have our surfacey kind of, you know, friend relationships. We have our, our competence. We have our success where, where we make the, the, ba- the paycheck, where we bring home the bacon. All right. I was just talking about bacon this morning, so I have to, I have to throw that out there. I'm thinking of food already too, guys. So I'm with you. All right. Connect with God. This is, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. We, we want significance, but we don't necessarily want it tied to God. You know, we want to have significance without God. We want to be the best person we can and, and be the CEO, and, and that's the significance we want. And we divide our lives in half. So let me tell you what this is. And you may say, ah, I don't know if that's true. Let me tell you it is true because we believe two words that exist that don't actually exist. We use them. They're in the dictionary. You can look them up. But these are two words that we use that don't actually exist. They can't exist. On the right side is what we call sacred. It's what we call sacred. Okay? This is the stuff with God. This is who we really are, who we know we should be. And our relationships with our family, that's, that's really important. That's sacred to us. Okay? This could even be like traditions and things like that. Some of the stuff with God. This is sacred. But then you know what we call the left side, don't you? We call the left side secular. The left side is secular. And here's what we do. We divide our lives. And what we do is we don't say this out loud. Most of the time we wouldn't say, God has nothing to do with my business, but we act like it. We act like it. We actually act like uh, no matter what we're doing, whether we're you know, going here, going there, doing this, doing that, we act like when we go into our day that God has no say in that area of our life because we act like it. We certainly don't pray. We don't care what we do. We can lie at work. It's not a big deal. We can be a different person at work and a different person at home, and it's okay. Because why? Because we've divided in half, and we can tear the home and life apart, and we can be one way in the secular world, and we can be another way in the sacred world. This is the whole reason why we have a bunch of Christians who are hypocrites, by the way. You know, where hip, you know where we have the hypocritical thing? It's because of this line. Because they think that we can show up to church and be like, yeah, praise God. And then on Friday, let's get trashed and do whatever we want. Right? It's hypocritical, isn't it? It's because we believe that Friday night is not for God. That's for us to do what we want. Sunday morning, well, we better, you know, look the part. Right? And we divide our lives. We say that God is over some things, but not all things. Did you know that secular and sacred does not exist? Even though we've come up with words for them. This is a lie that we have created. Whether we like to think about it or not, God is over everything. Now, is there a difference between God being over everything in our life and God being over some things? Yes. The, the difference is as big as night and day. It's as big as, uh, let me use an illustration. You're going to love this. It's as different as steak and cow patty. Okay? I know. Happy Mother's Day. Isn't that great? 
we're using poo this morning on Mother's Day. Isn't that great? Okay, so it's as different as steak and, and cow patties. Now, let me, let me, let me, follow me on this. Okay, both of these things come from the same place. They do. They both come from the same thing, right? We all know that. They both come from the same origin, okay? The steak and cow patties come from the same place, but they are not even close to the same thing. They're just not. Okay, steak and cow could not be more different, okay? They could not be more different. The truth is, this is the difference in our lives between having God over everything and God over just a few things. It couldn't be more different than steak and cow patties, okay? My guess is, when you get to brunch or you do lunch or dinner or whatever, you're gonna, it's going to matter to you whether or not you have one of these on your plate. If they bring this on your plate, you're running. Like you're saying, nah, we're out. We're gone. Right? Because there is, there's a huge chasm of difference. The same is true for our lives. If we put God over just a few things, Sunday and maybe every now and then when life gets hard, That is so different than what God is wanting, which is God is over everything in your life. Your kids, your work, when you're at home, when you're by yourself, when you're on the computer, when you're on your phone, when you're talking to your best friend, when you're, it doesn't matter. God is over everything. And the difference is huge. Now, here's what a lot of times we do. We like to run the bases backwards and say that we're doing it the other way. Okay? We like to run to third base. We chase success. We do this. We go here. We get, we get, 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 get. Give it to me. Okay? We do all that stuff. And then what we do is when life kind of gets a little challenging or a little bit hard and all kind of stuff, then we ask God to come in and save the day and kind of bless it. Right? We ask God, uh, I know it's a cow patty, but bless it, please. Would you? And what we do is we ask God. Think about this. We're running the bases backwards. We're chasing third base with everything that's in us. And then what we do is we ask God, we say, God, could you just, could you just bless this? I know I'm not probably, I know, I'm sorry, but could you just bless it? And you know what God will say to that? And it might be harsh, but it's not harsh. God's going to say no. Because God is not going to bless poo. <laughs> you could wrap up, you know, a cow patty in that nice meat paper, you know what I mean? And take it to somebody and say, hey, it's steak. It doesn't matter how you package it. If we're running the bases backwards, God is not going to be able to bless poo. He won't bless poo. He's not going to bless backwards base running. He just won't. You know why? Because he knows that you're destroying your own life. And he's not going to say, yep, that's cool. That's okay. Sure, I'll bless that. He's not going to bless it. He's going to say, I need you to turn around and go the other way. And you start running the bases the correct direction. And then you will see unbelievable blessing that will come into your life. So where does this leave us practically? This is all great in theory, right? This is all good theoretical stuff. Like, okay, good. So we need to start running the bases forward. We can't be chasing third base. We can't be doing all this. Great. So what does it mean on a practical daily basis? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's good. This is the principle that I want you to get. God is my provider. God is my provider. God is the one that provides for your life. That is a big difference than your boss or your company or whatever else is. Now, I mean, do we need money? Yeah, I get the practical side of this. I'm just saying that we need to change the way we think about it. We need to change how we view everything in life. 
Okay, Matthew 6, 25 and 27, Jesus is talking. And he tells us something very powerful, very important. This is what he says. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are, than any birds? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus asks a very important question at the end there, doesn't he? Can a single moment of your life be added by worry? The truth is we all know it can't. Plus, did you know this? It's actually the opposite. We've done a lot of studies on stress and worry, and it actually steals your life. Did you know, not only does it not add to your life, it actually decreases your days. It actually steals days from you. God knows this. He doesn't want you to worry about that. He wants you to experience the home run life. In that same chapter, Jesus says something else that's really important. I want you to catch this. This is a good verse to kind of remember or memorize. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So if we were just to unpack that verse, what that's saying is put God at the center of your life. Put God first in your life. Because if you do, okay, you start with God. Remember home plate. Okay, you connect with God first. Put him first. Seek the kingdom of God first. Home plate. Then you live righteously. God will allow you to live and help you to live righteously or with character. Okay, then it says God will give you what? He'll give you a few morsels. No, that's not what it says. It, it didn't say God will just kind of uh, help you survive. You'll just, you'll make it through. It's not what God says. God says he will give you everything you need. Now, what we usually plug into that in our brains, because we're Americans, is money. We're like, ooh, God will give us as much money as we can. Well, God will give you the money that you need, but God will also give you the peace that you need. Did you know you need peace? We all desire peace. We just don't always realize it. Or maybe we lack it so much that we're not even sure that it even exists anymore. But God wants to give you peace. He wants to give you relationships that are so powerful, so genuine, so authentic. People who are real. People who will ask you the hard questions. People who will call you out when they know you're running the bases backwards. God will give you unbelievable relationships. God will give you everything you need. So how does this work out practically? Really, on a daily basis. Well, let me give you some really practical stuff. This is stuff for moms. This is stuff for dads. This is stuff for kids, for teenagers. For It does not matter who you are. This will work for you on a practical daily basis, no matter who you are. Okay, let me give you the practical. First, God is my provider. I will trust in him. God is my provider. I will trust in him. Trust in God daily. That's what you have to do. So how do we do that? Let me give you two practical steps. First one, before I run to work, I walk with God. Before I run to work, I walk with God. What does that mean? This is going to be a hard one for some of you, but it's going to be as simple. This is as simple as it gets. This is truly as simple as it gets. Okay. Um, Before you start your day, before you get into the email, the dreaded email, open it up and you go, what? Who is up that late? And why are they sending me these emails now? I have, now I have to deal with this, right? 
You guys ever feel that way? Now you know how I feel sometimes. I'm just kidding. You guys can send me emails. I'm not going to react that way most of the time. All right? Depends on how early I get into it. All right? But before we start our day, you need to walk with God. Before you run to work, walk with God. Now, admittedly, let me just tell you kind of practically how this works for me. Right now, this works for me very well. This is very easy for me to do now because my office, because we don't have a church building, right? You guys clearly, we're in a village center, right? And so my office is downstairs in my house right now, okay? It won't always be that way, but, but that's where it is now. And so, uh, you know, we get the kids to school or I do our workout or whatever we do, all the morning routine. And then I go downstairs and the first thing I can do when I get into my office is I can open the word of God and I can spend some time in his word and I can pray and I can pray for, you know, whoever, whatever. And, and I just, I, before I start working, I can walk with God. I can talk with him. I can listen for him. I can hear his voice. Now, you know, a lot of you, you might have that opportunity because you work from home or maybe in an office where you can kind of do that. You can dig out the Bible and just pop it open. And that's where you start your day. That's great. But for some of us, that's not the case. For me, that was not the case either uh, when Laura and I were teachers in North Carolina. And so uh, I had a 12 to 15 minute commute uh, when we lived in North Carolina from where we lived to where I worked. And Laura had about a 20 minute commute to her school system. And, uh, and so every morning, uh, actually the night before I would turn, I've told you guys this before, but I turned the radio off so that when I get in my car in the morning, it's silent. And I had to do that because if I had the radio on, I'd either hear a song or they're telling a joke and I'm like, I'm sucked in, right? I'm all in. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this one, right? And I'm just listening and I turn it up and it's like morning and it's kind of getting me going. And, and what I found is I had to turn it off the night before. So I turned off the night before so that when I get in my car, it's silent. And I would spend that 12 to 15 minutes, depending on traffic, praying and listening to God all the way to school, to teach. And I would pray for myself. I would pray for my wife, for Laura. I would pray for my kids, who I didn't even know yet. We didn't have kids at the time. But I prayed for them. I didn't even know who they were going to be. I know them now. (laughs) Can I tell you that I'm so thankful that I prayed for my kids before I even knew them? I pray for them still now. (laughs) It's not that I stopped when I had them, right? But I'm so thankful that I prayed for them before I even knew them. I prayed for my students. I mean, I taught high school. Do you know how much our high schoolers are dealing with these days? It's a lot. I would pray for them because they'd come into my room sometimes just bawling, just frustrated, just overwhelmed, stressed. And so I'd pray for them. Sometimes they knew I was praying for them. Sometimes I, they didn't. I'd pray for my fellow teachers, my colleagues, my friends at the school who I taught with. I'd pray for anything and everything that God brought to my mind, and then I'd listen to him. And if I got to the parking lot (laughs) and I wasn't done, I would just keep praying, and I'd pray out loud, just like I'm talking now. In fact, there'd be some times where teachers would arrive, you know, just after me and everything, and I usually got to school way earlier than I needed to, um, and partly for this reason, so I could sit there, but I'd sit there, and I'd still be talking to God. And this is, by the way, before, like, hands-free systems were really out there, you know, so, you know, now it's normal if you see somebody talking, then they, pretty, they were pretty sure I was crazy, you know. They see there's Big old talking in his car again to somebody, something. He doesn't even have a phone up to his ear, you know, like, what's going on? They didn't know. Some of them knew, but most of them didn't. I'm talking to God. So before you run to work, walk with God. You need to put that trust and you need to practice that trust. 
Okay, what's another practical thing? I'm going to give you one more practical thing. Put limits on your work week. This takes a lot of trust. Put limits on your work week. Work up to six days if you must, but not seven. Some of you, this is going to be the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Work up to six days, not seven. God set it up this way. Okay? Let me give you an, uh, an illustration of how this can work, how God can greatly bless you. I've used this ex- illustration once before, so you guys have heard me talk about it. Um, in Business Week uh, magazine, it was probably three years ago now, two or three years ago now, they did an article on Kentucky Fried Chicken and Chick-fil-A. And at the time of the article, Kentucky Fried Chicken had 4,000, I had to check, 4,491 locations in the nation. Chick-fil-A had 1,775 locations nationwide uh, in, in our country. Okay? Now, at the time, if you look at those numbers, which company do you think is obviously going to be making more money? Okay? Right off the bat, you look at the numbers, just do the math. Clearly, Kentucky Fried Chicken should be just killing it, Right? Well, the reason they wrote this article is because at the time of the article, Chick-fil-A was making a billion dollars more than Kentucky Fried Chicken each time. A billion, not a million, a billion dollars more than Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, let me tell you something else about Chick-fil-A. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Every Chick-fil-A in the entire world is closed on Sunday. It is not open. Okay? Anybody who's anybody, anybody who eats food, and anybody who's in the restaurant business knows that the weekend is kind of a big deal, right? It's kind of a big time for people to eat out. I mean, everybody goes to the mall, everybody does this, there's this Mother's Day thing, right? There's, there's this stuff. Everybody knows that eating out on the weekends, it just kind of goes together in the American culture, right? That's what we do. I know that's what Laura and I do, all right? We do that a lot, okay, on the weekends. The truth is, though, Chick-fil-A made a commitment to say, we're going to live according to God's word as a business, as a company, and we're not going to fudge on it no matter how good or bad things get. For good or bad, this is what we're going to do. And I believe that God has blessed them unbelievably for their decision. Work up to six days. Do not work seven. Limit your work week. Make sure that you put your trust in God as your provider, not your job. Not your job. What's the second thing? The second thing that I think we need to get, and this will wrap up with this. God is my provider. I work for him. This changes our mindset. Remember, we're changing the way we think about everything in life. If you were to change who you work for, then this changes everything. Pastor Kevin, the guy who came up with the Home Run Life, he also wrote this book called Home Run. If you want to check it out, it's really, really good. All right. Uh, But in that book, he writes uh, about a story, and I just wanted to share it with you. Um, The story is about this young woman who decides to move into this community and start a cleaning business. She really knew she was good at cleaning. She, She kind of enjoyed it. I don't get that, to be honest. I really don't. I mean... There are not many things worse in life than cleaning my house. But anyway, okay, so now I, I digress. Okay, so she, anyway, she has this cleaning business. She moves into this community. One thing that she learns when she first gets into this community is that there's a wealthy, older lady that lives in this huge house, 
Okay? And she would contract with cleaning businesses to come in and clean her house. But what she found out is every time a cleaning business would come in and clean her house, she never called them to come back and do it a second time. She would never give them second time around business. And she knew something was going on. Maybe she was just cantankerous. Maybe she was just, you know, had high standards, whatever it was, but she wasn't sure. And so when she got the call from this older gal, this wealthy lady, she was determined, I am going to work as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to work my tail off and I'm going to make sure that house is clean. So she gets there. She starts cleaning. She's working hard. And you know how when you clean, you find change and all kinds of things, you know, all over the house. So she would find change. She'd find coins here and there. And she would just drop it in a little mug in the, in the kitchen that the lady said was there for it. And so she'd drop the change in there. And uh, she get, got finished with everything. The, uh, the lady paid her. And then she went off. Several weeks later, it blew her mind, but she gets a call from that same lady. She says, hey, I want you to come back and clean my house again. She was shocked. She couldn't believe it. And so she goes, she gets all of her supplies. She shows up at the lady's house then, you know, a couple days later. And she goes in. She said, you know, before I get to work, before I start cleaning your house, I just, I have to ask you, why did you invite me back to clean your house when you've not taken anybody else back? None of the other companies. And the wealthy lady, she looked at her and she could see that, you know, okay, she really wants to know. And so she said, it's a very simple answer. She said, $1.61. $1.61. And the, the young gal, she looked at her, still pretty confused. And, and so she went on to explain. She said, well, every time I contract with a cleaning service, I strategically place coins and, uh, and money around the house to the tune of $1.61. It's always $1.61. And I place it strategically all over the house. And she said, I've had a lot of cleaning companies come in and they found 90 cents. Most of them are 90 cents to a dollar. I had even one that found, you know, $1.20. I even had one that found $1.50. They were close. But nobody until you found the entire $1.61. And then she understood. So here's why I tell that story. It's easy to clean a room or to do our work when somebody's looking over our shoulder. It is a completely different thing to work and put our nose to it and grind and make sure that we do our absolute best for the company, for whoever or whatever, when we decide that we're not working for the company, we're not working for our boss, but we're working for God. Because God is always there. So let me ask you, are you living a dollar sixty-one life or are you living more like a 90 cents? Where are you at? Where are you at? Are you tired? Are you frustrated? Are you kind of fed up? Can I tell you why? The reason is because you're chasing third base and you've lost the truth, which is God is your provider first and completely and most more than anything else in life. We need to get back to where we trust in who God is and who God is calling us to be. If you want a home run life, and I know you do, I don't have to ask. If you want a home run life, the only way to do that is to race 
around the bases as God intends, and God will bless it because he's not going to bless cow patties. He's just not going to. He never will. But he will bless you with steak if you run the bases in the correct order. That's the fruit that will come out of your life if you do that. Let's pray. God, I thank you for two things this morning. First, God, I thank you for mothers. I thank you for my mother, who I'm thankful is here in the room with me today. I'm thankful for mothers and the sacrifice and the love that they continually pour out. That, That unconditional love, that unconditional sacrifice that mothers tend to just exude, they just give out God is is amazing. And it it reminds me so powerfully of how much you love us. That you love us unconditionally, that we cannot do things so badly, so poorly that we're out of your love, that you are going to love us regardless, no matter what, but that you also, because you are God, And because you love us, you call us to a life that's better than the one this world offers. So God, very simply, the second thing I'm asking for, I pray for, for myself, for everybody here. I pray that anybody in here who has divided their life and is asking you to bless cow patties, God, that you would change our thinking. And that you would help us to see that you want to offer us steak and that you're not going to bless something less. You're not going to bless backwards base running. You're going to bless running the bases forward in the correct direction because you know, God, you know that that's the best life for us. No doubt about it. So God, help us to run the bases the way that you intended. And I pray that you give us unbelievable fruit and success as a result. Because I know that that's what you want to do. God, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.